Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take it. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? And thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. If you're watching the video version of this podcast, you'll notice I'm leaning down at a somewhat awkward angle <laughs> to reach my soundboard to slowly fade out the podcast intro. Um, so now you know a little bit of behind the scenes. But this is part two to the Duck Gun Podcast. You ask, we answer. We had so many. We even lightning rounded in the end. So many questions to go through. Um, that this is going to be like two, probably 50-ish minute to an hour podcast. So that's what you got to look forward to. If you missed your question, maybe it's in part one, maybe it's part two. I don't know because I don't know what your question was. But um, yeah, how's it going, Hunter? Uh, it's it's going. Um, you know, it's just a, another beautiful day. It's, I, mean, I shouldn't say that. It's kind of dreary and cruddy <laughs> outside. It was all <laughs> sleeting and raining day. all day today. So great duck hunting weather, horrible goose hunting weather. Another beautiful day in duck hunting Iowa paradise. <laughs> yeah, if only we had duck season, it would be a lot better. Right. right. Will they? You think they'd ever change it to have a late split? No. Um, I actually went to a couple meetings a couple years ago about the splits and got it changed a little bit. It's actually better than it used to be. But they say that the average hunter hunts that first two weekends and then they don't hunt again. And that's when they get a lot of their, their sales for their uh, – their licenses, which like, sure. But like you could do like Indiana. And I, I mean, I like how we do it, but like it wouldn't take away from your first two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then you end it a week early or like Michigan ends it two days early. Yeah. And then instead of having like, right. So now all of a sudden in like three weeks or something, like, can you imagine if from the end of your duck season, three weeks later, you have a weekend, just two days to hunt ducks. Yeah. It would be bangers, right? Oh, they would be, it would be nuts, but I think the, uh, I don't know what you know about like, uh, internationally with the international bird treaty about how seasons are set, but I was got three zones. And so, because we only have, we have three zones, we're only allowed one split in our season and they put our split at the beginning of the year. So we have five days, maybe it's seven because it goes, starts on a Saturday, ends on a Friday. And then from like that next Saturday to the next Saturday is like, it's off. So you have like one week right. off and then we come back. And I think I would prefer that if we just started it after that break and then we took a week break and then we got those days at the back end of the season rather than on the right. front end. Yep. But it just kind of exactly how Indiana is because we have ours that starts and we go for 51 days of our 60. Then we have a nine day split that starts the day after Christmas and goes for nine days. Yeah, I think I would prefer that. I mean, but. With that being said, you know, I have the Mississippi in my backyard. Mississippi holds birds. Like this year, the Mississippi had zero ice flow on it any time so far. Normally by this time, we'll have, you know, one or two days of ice flow on some of the pools. And so like with there being no ice flow and everything else, like it, I'm just looking out my window and looking at birds all the time. So like, that's what sucks. Now, if I was inland a little bit more and I was hunting ponds and like farm ponds and like little roosts like that. I'd be annoyed if they set the season back because it frees up, you know, and then you're freezing out in mid-November and you're losing out on all the days. You kind of lose those early season wood duck hunts and stuff. And so, like, I like it 
I wish it was later, but I also kind of understand why it's the way that it is. And the other thing that they kind of explained during the meeting, and again, something I understand, I get to hunt a lot because I hunt a lot because it's a huge passion of mine. I have a lot of gear. I have so much gear and most people don't. And so like for me to go out when it's 12 degrees outside and sleeting, it doesn't make any difference because I have the gear to do it. Normal guy's not going to own the gear to be able to go do, hunt in those kind of conditions, you know? I just, I just disagree. Really? Right. I, I mean, I, I get like what you're saying, like the gear, but like if you're going to have a banger hunt and it's like, honestly, out of all the years they do it, it's some years it's not even that cold. Like this year's not that cold. It's like 50, mm-hmm. 50, right. Putting it that, that late. Some years we do have like the polar vortex that comes through and like, so what that <laughs> everybody <laughs> doesn't hunt that last week and just the hardcore guys get out. Yeah. Um, is that a little selfish of me? I don't know. Maybe, but like just put it early. Everybody's going to hunt those first two weeks mm-hmm. and then they'll go deer hunt or whatever else they do. Um, but then I even do get some of my deer hunting buddies when we have like a bang up hunt because it's super cool mm-hmm. cold and we find all the birds, they're way more likely to, to get involved for something like that than they are for just a mediocre hunt, you know, midway through the season. Cause we have extra days in yeah. late November. So yeah. And I, I like, wouldn't give anything up. I wouldn't, I would, what's the right way to say this? I would never want to give up the uniqueness of late season river hunts that don't even happen every year. Yeah. Unfortunately, those are just so awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree. Like I'm totally on the same camp as you. I just kind of understand that like this season can't be based around me. And I don't know, like another thing that irritates me about our seasons is our goose seasons. So we have like a special, the air quote, special goose season for around some of the cities. And those days for those specific goose seasons count against all of our days for the entire state, which I think is just the most, is just the most ridiculous thing in the entire world. So like our goose season ends january 19th like you get hunt geese till what mid-february like man i'm done i've been done for a month by then right you know and that's all because of those uh, i think it's like a 15 or 20 day season that's only certain it's only certain zones around certain cities and like i think it's a giant joke i wish that they would either open up those days for the entire state or if they made it to where those days didn't exist and they put them at the end of the year. That would be, that would be my option, but I also don't live in one of the areas that has those like special goose zones, or air quote, special <laughs> right. goose zones. So, right. And then, you know, another thing that came up at that same meeting I was talking about with the seasons was, uh, water levels on our marshes. So a lot of our marshes are pumped by the DNR using federal money. And so they kind of control the water levels. Right. And, they were asking about, uh, they say that puddle ducks prefer, what was it like 18 inches to, what was it? Yeah. It was like, no, six, six inches to two foot of water generally is where puddle ducks prefer water. But they say that hunters prefer three to four feet of water, at least in like the main waterways. And they were like, they were, the general question was like, what do you, what would you prefer? And I said, make it to where there's birds. I'll find a way to hunt them. I don't care. You know, like I got the gear I can drive. We got, I got access to airboats and buddies with hover boats. Like we'll find a way to go hunt the birds. Just make it to where there's birds here. And I got, voted out of that problem everybody else is like no make it to where i could drive my outboard in the marsh and i'm right. like man you're you're looking at this wrong right you know we had yeah. a bunch of birds a bunch of people would come here from out of state and buy licenses and all that kind of stuff <laughs> right <laughs> but definitely that's just my opinion but anyways <laughs> anyways anyways yeah, now i'm just totally we got a deucing much, on our dnr i don't know if we got too much updates but you know i'm still i got my late season 
split right now. We still have terrible weather. I'm optimistic that I'll still be able to get on some birds. We had a great hunt for opener. You guys heard it on the last podcast. Um, today we got skunked. Um, they didn't like our hide. Unfortunately, I think the hide was probably the issue. And also we had like ice in the decoys. I'm sure that was an issue too. Um, it got down to 30 degrees. I really didn't expect it. Forecast was 31. Was supposed to be seven mile per hour. There's no wind. Got down to 30. And like by shooting light, we had ice in the decoys, even with the motion ducks running. So um, unfortunate, but I think that was part of it. And then um, the hide wasn't the best. We're in cattails. It's kind of thin. It looked great in the dark. First time we hunted this exact spot. So um yeah, I'm going to get on this the the scouting trail again. Got to work tomorrow, but um, after that, I'll have more opportunity to hopefully get on some birds. I I, I just feel like I got an, another banger in me um, with the last what I got eight days, seven no seven more days. So yeah, um, and there's a little bit of weather rolling in too. I mean, like we've had two days of sleety, slurry weather. I don't know how else to describe it. It'd be like raining one second, snowing, and sleeting the next. So I mean, all that's we haven't coming been your there way. Yet. I hope yeah, it's coming our way by Thursday. I think we start to get it, but it really doesn't roll into like Monday for real, mm-hmm. like getting really cold. And then I got to work. So I'll have like some short chances before work, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, potentially. So hopefully we do get that cold weather. Every time they call for that cold weather, I'm looking at like the 10 day forecast. And then like, as the week progresses, it's, it's like, warm. it's going to be 20 degrees. And then I look the next day, 22, the next day, <laughs> 27. And then it finally gets here. It's like a low of 30. So it's just, enough skim ice to like make ponds terrible, but rivers not great. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Oh well, man, that's an opposite of what I did during teal season. During teal season, I said it was going to be like 112 and it ended up only being like, only being like 90 some degrees. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, all righty. Well, let's get a quick word from our partners and then we'll jump into the main meat of the podcast. So first off, like to give a big thanks to um, Weatherby. Guys, Weatherby makes some great waterfowl shotguns. Um, I've been still running the side by side. Weatherby Orion SXX, SXS. <laughs> uh, they make it in twelve. They make it in twenty. They make it in four ten. Um, and they definitely designed it with waterfowl in mind. A longer barrel, side by side, opposed to those upland short ones. So I got a um, question for you on that one. Sure. How you liking the straight grip versus the normal pistol grip? It doesn't, it doesn't affect me or bother me at all. I know that's one thing you were kind of, you said you, you didn't um, like, but like, I mean, that thing shoulders like a champ. Um, it fits me just right. Just from the moment I picked it up, like literally the first time I hunted with it was with you out there in Iowa for teal. And I mean, I was just letting them have it. So um, from the second I had it, the only time I stopped to stop for a quick time after North Dakota for whatever reason, um, and then I went right back to it. So I shot the the eighteen nine for a little bit. But yeah, they have a great lineup of waterfowl mm-hmm. shotguns, um, and they keep improving it. They keep adding stuff to it. They keep upgrading the camos and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so they're a great option if you're in the market for waterfowl shotgun. Check them out. Also, like to give big thanks to Onyx. Why don't you take Onyx, Hunter? <laughs> Onyx. I mean, it's a it's a great app. It's honestly kind of a must have app for waterfowlers. I spend hours a week scanning on it a uh, really good feature on it is the uh the recent ad of recent imagery i think they're about a week week or two behind you can definitely go back and see 
like what the off leaf imagery looked like last fall for water levels where you can find potholes and stuff that might be closed off by trees. Or uh, I like going on it, checking water levels. We have high gauges around here on a lot of our stuff, but it's still nice to be able to check it and double check stuff with the water levels. Little pro tip, if you touch the screen with two fingers at the same time, it automatically brings up your distance calculator for like how far you are from stuff. In Iowa, we have to be more than 200 yards away from an inhabitable building. Really easy to check it right there on the app when you're setting up or when you're scouting areas that you think you want to go. Awesome. Uh, also like to give a big thanks to Final Approach. Guys, Final Approach has some great options for the waterfowl hunter. They have, um, they're their one-stop shop for it. Um, they have came out with more and more new decoys and new carves over the last couple of years. Um, they've hit the diver market hard. Um, they came out with new rigging for divers. If you're one of those filthy <laughs> diver hunters like Hunter, oh yeah, you, you yeah. probably love all that stuff. They they just came out with new canvas back decoys that look they, awesome. They look amazing. Um, pretty much the divers across the board, you know, all new carves, um, and they look they all look spectacular. Um, you probably talk about it more than I can, but they came out with the rigging for setting your long lines um, with that coated the same coated material that they use for um the the regular decoy anchors which everybody loves um and now they have it there for your diver sets too so if you're looking to start diver hunting it's the right time of the year too um definitely check out uh, everything they got for it because they can get you set up um so you can go over to uh, fabrand.com and use code duckgun10 get your discount over there um and get yourself uh some new hunting gear uh-huh yeah last but right. not least is motion ducks right uh, motion ducks ultimate jerk string or spreader system for decoys it, it's magical getting decoy motion on the water is a, in my opinion second to hide on most hunts sometimes it's more important if you already have your hide situation figured out but definitely getting water motion and one thing that i'm starting to think is that it's not just the motion on the water i think it's the sound that it makes too as the decoys kind of rip through the water i think that they can hear that and i think that it makes a it makes a difference Definitely, yeah, yeah. There's uh, definitely a a lot of perks to that Motion Ducks system. So they got the ultimate, they got the regular, um, but the Duck Gun Podcast deal um, that we have with Motion Ducks, getting you the best deal you can get. You go over there to motionducks.com/slash/duckgunchronicles for the ultimate spreader. That's the seven ducks setup. Get the free anchor bag, um, and you also can use code DuckGun10 over there and get ten percent off. Um, so you get that free anchor bag and the discount. So um, definitely a great combo. Jump over there. MotionDucks.com slash Deccan Chronicles. Alrighty, let's go ahead and we'll jump back into the Q&A questions. Matt Grove. Okay, so he talks about the Michigan Mallard population. Honestly, it's uh, it's not just Michigan, but Michigan definitely has been hit by it. I, I skimmed through the article you posted um, before the podcast showing like the declining number of Mallards. It's sad to see for sure. Um, do I think the DNR failed? Well, I mean, it is a failure. I do. Is the DNR responsible? Was it out of their control? One thing to talk about specifically is the game farm mallard release issue. Um, if they don't stop that, I do feel like they have blood on their hands. Um, can they stop it? You know, I, when 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 we talked, uh, when when I heard the Meat Eater podcast about this, the guy was saying that he doesn't think it can be stopped because there's so much money in it. So mm. I hope he's wrong. I hope they can 100% ban it, make it illegal. Um, if that is a real thing. And it sounds like from a study it is, and it sounds like it's 
um, if not fully responsible, definitely somewhat responsible for um, declining mallard populations. I'd love to see that all get um, all get removed from uh, duck hunting because and we've seen the same thing. And I and I had a uh, oh, what was his name? The biologist from yeah, Michigan from State. Campus Waterfowl. Well, no, he went on Campus Waterfowl too for a little okay. time. But I had the same guy, and I can't remember his name now. Uh, but he also worked under. Why can't I can't remember anybody's name? But from the mediator, the mediator podcast, um, they had that scientist on. Mm-hmm. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, but I've looked him up. I'll probably try to get him on the podcast to have him explain it as well because I'm doing a terrible job about it. But in short, there's hybrid from farm duck release that are intermingled to a large percentage in the wild mallard populations. And the only thing that's stopping it from spreading over all of North America is the prairie pothole region. So we need to get that practiced removed, that practice removed from waterfowl, if all possible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, isn't there a study that's supposed to be coming out here shortly <clears throat> that shows like just how damning all that is and just how like horrible it is for the population? I mean, I've heard rumors about it, but I haven't seen the study myself. So, right. Yep. It's all work in progress. Mm hmm. All right, Brendan Crosby. Looking back on this year's hunt, this year's hunting adventures, what hunts, what hunt was the one that stands out the most, and why? So, um, normally this would be a hard decision because I'd have so many great hunts over the year. But like, um, I'd say that this year has been mediocre um, at best. <clears throat> so, if I if I look back on the season, a few stand out. We had. Um, this hunt in North Dakota where we walked out to this hole in the corn ended up being a cat hole, a a cattail hole, really cool, really hard work to get out there. Something about working hard on public land, um, makes it really rewarding. So that one was great early season. We had, uh, one of the craziest goose hunts I've ever had, um, which was an awesome one, but I don't think that I'll ever like put like a field, a dry field hunt as like my number one hunt all year, but it was, it was a really, really fun, like bang them up hunt. Um, that North Dakota one was really cool. Like decoying close up, lots of mallards, pintail, you name it early season. They weren't all plumed. So, you know, that knocks it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, opener, we had a great hunt. Um, but honestly what takes the cake is the, the most recent hunt I just had with my nephew. I, I really do think it's the highlight of the season. He got his first mallard Drake ever. Um, with a little bit better shooting, he probably could have limited. Maybe if I would have had him on a 20 gauge instead of the 410, it maybe he would have limited. Um, but it was really cool to see. Um, that's, I think that's going to be the future of a lot of my duck hunting, um, mm-hmm. having some little, little buddies with me. Um, it's just something about, you know, just something about it. So, um, yeah. doing something, it's almost like, I don't know, man, I, I can't describe it. But. Breathe new light into the sport for you a little bit. Right. I mean, I didn't need that. Like, it's not like I needed new life into like, I, I have passion and drive for it, but it's just, I love sharing it. Probably mm-hmm. why I do the videos and the podcast and then sharing it with someone that's that close to you. And like, they're just new to everything. You know, he's 10 years old. There's so many things that are new in life and you're sharing this like experience that like, I mean, you're going out in wild places. You're going out like you have to like, just put yourself in, in his shoes. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. you don't know any of this even exist right and the next yeah. thing you know you're in this hand-built fiberglass over wood sneak boat with a mud motor long tail on it trucking through the river you know getting through like little swampy sections and you set up and then like these mallards just start 
you know, just dive bombing over the trees, landing right in your decoys, your water swatting like a pro. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just all fun. And then next thing you know, you're taking a, fi- a, a picture sitting on the front of the sneak boat with fists full of mallards. And it mm-hmm. doesn't get better than that, you know? Yeah. Not too much. Not too much in life gets better than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I got I got two hunts. I think one is higher than the other, but I got two I want to mention. Honorable mention first is the opening morning teal hunt this year was like I don't know. For me, it was super cool. Um, it was a little bit of a cluster. The first teal hunt for some reason always seems to be a little bit of a cluster, but. <laughs> It was just cool, you know, like we had the opportunity to sleep out there overnight. We recorded a podcast sitting in the boat on the bank line. You know, you got the crickets in the background, the moon overhead at a spot that I found the day before, you know, like that was just, and then there's just the birds came in in waves. Like we didn't even set up till well after season, still had no problem shooting our birds. Like we weren't even set up right. And it was just, it was just fun. And that was a honorable mention for me, but the number one one this year was, uh, I got a guy that started hunting with this year on his first canvas back and like, you know, I like shooting canvas backs. A lot of people don't get the opportunity to shoot them. And when he came here, one of the things that he told me, he's like, Hey, I really want to get on some canvas backs. And so we hunted together, hunted together. And then he had like five days that he had just near misses, right? Like he'd get birds over the decoys and they're at like 10 yards fluttering over. And then he like forgets to take his safety off because he gets excited or like <laughs> he whiffs. And the one day he whiffs and shot a bluebill that was behind the canvas back. And like, oh man, you know, I'm giving him first shots because again, like I, I like it. I get enjoyment out of it. And finally he shot it and it was at a spot that we actually had his dog with us. So his dog got to go out and retrieve his first canvas back. And it was a beautiful bowl. And like, I don't know, that was just, for me, that was peak level enjoyment is like, you know, watching a, a guy who's serious about waterfall shoot a bird that he's always wanted to. And it's just like a perfect setting for it. And it was a good time. I really enjoyed that morning. Awesome. Yeah. I will say that I didn't, I didn't mention that till hunt. That'd be on my, my top five for sure. I do think that if it wasn't a cluster, <laughs> that would be way higher. <laughs> I would be. And then like, even where we like sat up, like uh, we're just covered in mud. The gun was covered in mud. Everything. Which is like, okay, it's, it was duck hunting, you know, it's, it's just duck hunting. But if, can you imagine if we would have started set up from there? Oh yeah. Or oh, like man. the second day where like John and Devin set up, like we were sitting right there. Oh, yeah. Oh right, man. Right. Like, I mean, there was, I mean, a, we would have had a hundred teal land in there before shooting light. Yeah. I mean, like it would have been crazy, but here's the thing is like, that's kind of what makes the story good is like, dude, it was just giant struggle, knee high mud. Like we were talking about just this giant slug fest. And then the shooting was the easy part. Shooting the birds was the easy part of that entire hunt. So that's kind of what makes it fun. I think. Right. All right. All right, let's. Uh, we're at fifty-five minutes plus the intro, so let's uh, <laughs> let's um, do some lightning round on these. <clears throat> um, so, don't chime in. We'll we'll go back and forth. I'll read one. You ride one. Read one. Don't chime okay. in unless you absolutely feel like it's necessary, which it might be. And okay. It's gonna be hard not to. But uh, <laughs> uh, Matthew says twelve gauge, three and a half inch is not as good as ten gauge, three and a half inch. Period. I think it's a joke. Um, because it just has to be. All right, next one. Uh, Matthew, same guy, says they ban hens, so shoot them too. Uh, my only uh, bans have been on hens, so uh, <laughs> I agree with that statement totally. I've, I've shot one hen as well, and uh, you know, in geese, you can't tell the difference, and mm-hmm. there's been some female geese as well. Mm. 
Dang it, I chimed in. I forgot. Our- <laughs> <laughs> All right, go. <laughs> uh, Nick says, Boss, Warchief, or Legacy Shells. I've actually only shot the Legacy Shells. If I if I uh, remember right, the Warchief is just a hotter um, shell as far as more powder, a little more speed. Um, it's like, why not? You know, why not? If it's if it patterns well to your gun and it's a little bit more lethal, then it, yeah, sounds, sounds great. All right. Christopher. How can a quality duck hunting duck boat change public land hunting? We could right. do a whole have, podcast on this one. <laughs> I have so much to say about this. The the thing I have to say is is it changes everything about everything you thought you know about duck hunting. When you can go farther, go more places, and you know, like do that stuff quickly, you'll be surprised how much further you're willing to drive to shoot a bird. Right. I love and it's just fun. There's just yeah. something fun about a boat. Yeah, love so boats. Not chiming in. <laughs> love motors. So like it, it, I couldn't imagine hunting without a boat. We'll put it that way. Right. Right. Man, I could keep going. We, we'll we could almost make a podcast out of that one. But yep. Um, all right. Robert Drury says, um, number one thoughts on the recent meat eater podcast where biologists are observing genetics and wild ducks that aren't wild, muddied with pin raised ducks. Sounds terrible, and I hope that uh, hope that it's not. Um, the end of duck hunting as we know it. So hopefully they can fix that issue. Um, yeah, the thing is, man, the thing that worries me is it feels like nowadays everything that has to be pushed through like legislation and jumping through hoops and this and that, and it's just, can they actually get something passed to like ban it? Um, <laughs> I don't even know. You know, is it possible in today's day and age? Do we have enough people who are worried about it for it even to come, you know, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, number two, your favorite jump shooting tactic. My favorite jump shooting tactic is um, it's a little different. A lot of people like jump shoot from kayaks. <clears throat> I think the best way to do it and the most successful way to do it is to team up with a buddy, use a canoe, have one guy who is the dedicated paddler and steer. I mean, you could switch after every duck if you wanted to. Um, but the way we do it, a lot of times I take a buddy that has not hunted as much as me. <clears throat> and I don't mind just sitting in the back until they shoot their duck limit or whatever. Um, and then we'll switch and we'll do like three, four hour floats. Um, probably closer to like three hour. And, um, you know, so you're switching an hour and a half in. Honestly, it might've been a little longer. I'm trying to think how long that float was last year. Um, but in that float on the right day, we both had our opportunity to shoot our limit. Obviously the guy who went first had more chances, um, but not not that many more. I should have had my limit too. Um, but that's my favorite way to do it. One guy paddles, one guy in the front. You can usually get close enough with the canoe. Um, it helps you like get close to the edge. So when you come around, you're like right in range of the bird. Um, and also they can position you with the paddle. Um, if they're wise about it, they can position you in a way. Like if you're too far, um, like if you're if you're imagine laying out right in a, in a layout, you can only swing your gun so far to the right, and you can go much further to the left. So if you're going around from a left hand, uh, a bin from left to right, um, you'll need the boat swinging around in a way where you can aim along that edge. Um, Mm -hmm. So having a guy that's there, having your hands free where you can just grab your gun or hold your gun the whole time and not grab a paddle. If you watched the last jump shooting video, you saw I lost an opportunity where mallards were literally at 15 yards, but I was holding a paddle instead of my gun and just letting my guy steer me. But we hit a gravel bar and the boat started to go a little wonky. Um, so I'm like, Oh, I'll just help real quick. And sure enough for that's right when the mallards came out. So, um, 
yeah, having a guy that steers and a dedicated shooter uh, is the best way to jump shoot birds on a river. All right. Next one is from Colby. Top three favorite go-to duck or goose recipes. Uh, this year I did a lot of slow cooking uh, in, the, in the roaster and I'd shred it and then I'd freeze the shredded meat because I'd just like get enough to go in the roaster and then freeze it and then use it for tacos, fajitas, just anything. Barbecue, chicken from, man. I don't know, man. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did it. It was like, it works so well. I can put the duck meat in there, go to work, come back home, shred it all off after I'm done with work. And then, like I said, I was doing enough of it that I was freezing it and then coming back to it, pulling from it as the, as I needed more meat throughout the week. And then I was doing that like, you know, once a week and then I'd have enough bird to honestly eat for another week. So that was my favorite way is shredding it and then putting it in anything and everything that you could put duck meat into. I know that uh, goose pastrami has been popping off pretty good, but I haven't had a chance to make that yet. Definitely. I'll add one since it says three recipes. Uh, the one we did yesterday, um, or well, a couple days ago now, or no, it was yesterday, um, when my nephew shot his duck, I was trying to find something like a kid-friendly recipe. Um, so we did the shredded slow cooker. You put beef broth or chicken broth on it, cook it for, I think we cooked it for like six hours, shred it up, and then we did noodles, like uh, mm-hmm. chicken and noodles or beef and noodles. So duck and noodles, very kid-friendly. We had mashed potatoes duck no- and duck and noodles. Um, great way to have it. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, um, the same guy. Go ahead. Afternoon duck hunting tips. Um, do you want to take this one? You afternoon hunt more than me, right? I don't afternoon hunt at all. I was okay, going to say that I, I like, I, well, I work second very shift, few. so I get to hunt in the morning. So I don't, I very rarely get okay. on afternoon hunts. Um, my, my, my thing with, if you're going to do it in, um, for like fields is a little different than water, but water, if you're going to do it, do it on like a nasty day, um, where it's overcast and the birds are going to fly back to the water earlier than they normally would. Um, and obviously, like, great to have some good wind and stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, snowy days. Um, for me, um, I don't afternoon that much until it gets colder. I think I have to take the next one, too. So we got Andrew. Yeah, you do. Uh, he says, whether it be 18i or Browning A5. Man, I've used both um, for a long time. They're both really solid. Um I don't have really anything bad to say about the Brian A5, a long tradition uh, of, of, of a hunting shotgun. Um, now I'm, I'm kind of partial to my 18i. Uh, you guys know that they are a, a partner of the podcast and they make some great waterfowl shotguns. Um, I have the 18i 20 gauge uh, deluxe, which is just a sweet looking classy shotgun. I really do love like the classy shotguns <laughs> over the camo shotguns for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I don't know why, if it's just a, I grew up and I saw my grandpa hunting a lot of those for Upland. Um, and that's kind of why I got that, uh, that, that in the back of my mind all the time, but there's nothing wrong with a camo, a sweet camo gun too. Uh, those are a little bit better to beat up than the, the nice classy, <laughs> shining ones like the, the Weatherby 89 deluxe. Um, so that being said, they, they make them in some great camo. Actually the camo I got on my 12 gauge Weatherby 89, um, is the first light camo, which looks really cool on a shotgun. So, hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I, the only thing I have to add to that is if you're talking about an old A5 or a new day, the new A5s, cause they're totally different and the old ones are maintenance nightmares and the new ones, I don't know anything about. So I will, I will add to that. Now you have to, I have to add to that because, um, the thing about the old ones though, is like 
you just don't have to do any maintenance to them. Yeah. Yeah. But if you ever right, have to just, take them apart, they're a nightmare. The, yeah, they are right. They have all kinds of like partial screws and like, mm-hmm. uh, you'll never get it back together, but like, you just never have to clean it. Like, yeah. I don't, I'm not even joking. Uh, I don't know how the craftsmanship of these older generation um, <laughs> guys was, but I mean, they made it with such quality, good material. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So the next one here, Alex asks, has, has the King of the woods debate been settled? Yes. Wood ducks are the King um, of the <laughs> woods. They're not the King of ducks. That's the canvas back. I'll fight anybody who says otherwise, but uh, yes, King of the woods, uh, wood ducks, they should be worth more than mallards on the leaderboards on the Iowa or the North American waterfowler. And that's the end of discussion. Moving on. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't go. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as you're going necessarily, but I know you're joking around. So they are the king of the timber. They are the king of the timber. And I can't wait till next year when I can just start saying again in early season. Uh, I'm going to shoot one. So uh, Walter says, what are. Um, commercial available options for rolling your sled into the marsh instead of dragging it. Um, use a deer cart. It's too heavy. i um, seen some good ha- homemade ones, um, but they are not for sale. Man, um, I really don't have this issue, um, so I don't have a good solution to it. I've I've never rolled a jet sled. Like, we've drug them out in the fields. If you just have to do something like that, you know, um, doing whatever you can to be hands-free, like using the, the waterfowler, or the waterfowl, the FA waterfowl backpack um, with the gun caddy um, and having a bunch of gear in your bag. Um, and then your hands free to carry other things, whether it's like a bag of decoys and pulling the sled or just ways to like lighten your load in the sled and then take as much as you can and then take enough guys and sleds to, to get what you need out there. And if you're having to like go out, it's just do your best to lighten your load and have like a micro a micro mm-hmm. setup, you know, whether it's a smaller bag, less gear, um, all the, you know, all that, maybe you take a 20 gauge instead of a 12. Um, cause every little bit when you're doing that, um, is going to help. Now uh-huh. I don't have to do anything with a deer cart. I know like Titus does on some of his marshes where they got to walk a long way to the spot and they carry decoys with wheels. And that's probably way better than, um, Dragon. way better. Yeah. than pulling a jet sled that's going to have friction on the ground. Um, but yeah, I don't know anything commercially as an option for that. All right. So the next one, um, Devin Lewis, do you think the flyways are shifting from the, the studies that I've found uh, or that I've researched, I guess I should say, they show that the flyways aren't shifting in the sense that birds from the Mississippi flyway that were once re- or were once uh, summering, you know, going up and uh, nesting in the Mississippi flyway are shifting over to the central flyway. I think the studies more show that there's just less nesting birds in the Mississippi flyway compared to the rising number of nesting birds in the central flyway. Not necessarily that they're moving, just that they're having more birds that are having higher nesting success from what I understand. So I think the flyway is shifting in the sense that there's less birds overall in the Mississippi and Atlantic flyways, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're moving to the central flyway. It's just that the central flyway are having more birds with more nest success from what I understand. I don't know if you know anything else. What he's trying to say is that like Iowa's just the new Mecca because all the prey (laughs) pothole birds are flying straight down. 
Definitely not. I mean, I was lost night was it, I think it's like 99.9% of their habitat due to farming. So like, well, yeah, yeah. not that they don't nest there. They just travel through there. Yeah. Well, I don't see them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm I can tell I'm making you a little uncomfortable with this one. Hey so. man. I mean, like <laughs> I was not the Mecca go to Kansas, leave me alone here, go to Oklahoma. <laughs> Uh, that's funny um blind bag must haves man lately it's been the coffee i've been loving having the thermos of coffee which is funny because i went like my whole waterfowl career without doing it until like this year part way through the year and now it's like one of my favorite i'm like when can i get another coffee out of that thermos like you know like a fiend for your coffee i was standing uh we're standing the cattails and like this buck brush stuff and um, I was standing right next to the canoe, but like the bottom fell out. So I couldn't stand there. I had to like stand mm-hmm. five feet away from the canoe and I had to like cross back over to that. So I only got one cup of coffee the whole time. I was like, oh, kind man. of annoyed Yeah, get back to it. Your gray beard um, but, is showing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like buying bag must haves. Uh, I always keep a Leatherman tool in there. You never mm. know. Like you never know. Um, like my nephew's shotgun on that hunt, um, jammed up and I had to sit there and, um, pick out the shell. And if mm-hmm. I didn't have that, he wouldn't have shot his first duck. So um, I think a Leatherman tool, whether it's you have problems with your motor, um, whether you have to cut something, a rope, whatever, you never know what's going to come up. Um, yeah. Maybe all your decoys got tangled because you're not using the FA coated <laughs> uh, decoy anchors, um, which are great and they never tangle, which is like awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is, maybe you, uh, this is what I did. I ran over my motion ducks jerk rig with my mud motor uh, <laughs> earlier this season. So we had to cut that and then cut the the other end of the jerk rig and retie it. And we're obviously we're in a hurry because um, mm-hmm. something happened along the way where we got really behind on schedule and we we're rushing to get set up. And I just ran right over that mud motor line and made a big mess. So huh. um, Leatherman tool. That's my, right. that's my go-to. Um, my little tip would be an extra headlamp. I'm the type of guy that literally has like five headlamps in my bag at all times because I like someone will forget you have an extra one. Yours runs out of battery. Have an extra one. All right. Going down to the next one. Jeffrey, what happened to the weather this year? Man, if you told me, I would both know. I have no clue. It, I heard it's like an El Nino or something like that. It's been warm and wet. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Colton and... uh Koi have pretty much the same question here. He says how to set up for a North Dakota trip. And Colton says tips for hunting trips where you only have two days, but one to freelance and you have never been there, man. Uh, so first tip is map scout like a ton, um, mm. pick out your points ahead of time. Um, if you can do anything, if you can be there, like you're saying one day or two day, if you can at least be there by the evening before, right. Where you can lay eyes in the, in the daytime on the spot and hopefully see birds. Um, you know, then, then like that is, that is super key. I always make sure to be there at least the evening before to scout, you know, um, we might like leave the day before, um, and get a hotel, like drive as far as we can in the night, get a hotel, drive the next morning, but we'll do whatever we can to get there a day early. Um, doesn't have to be a full day, but like the evening before to scout at least as much time as you can. So, I know they're saying, hey, these are limited schedules, and and I'm a weekend warrior a lot of times too, so I understand that. So do your best to, even if you got to take a half day, an extra half day, leave at noon, get there at four, you know, get dark at six. Um, if you can at all make that happen, if you can't, 
then it's almost like a, a numbers or like a time game, a long-term game. Um, pick an area that you think is good, you know, um, and just go back there and repeat, you know, different years and learn that spot. You're going to, uh, it's going to pay dividends to learn a spot over time and make these trips opposed to like every time you go to a new spot and have to learn a new area. Um, you're going to, you know, you're going to figure things out and, and have more success over time. So just go into the, go into it with that kind of mindset too. If you've never been to a spot um, that you're doing it for long-term trying to figure it out and, um, you know, putting something together for future as well. Mm-hmm. I think you're onto the uh, Instagram ones, which I don't have those on my phone. I'm not on okay. the old IG. All right. I got that. Uh, someone says uh, flocked head versus painted head. So, um, mm. uh, Flocked head versus painted head when it comes to uh, goose decoys. I think the flocked heads make a marginal difference. Uh, just depends on the rest of your setup. When it comes to duck decoys, uh, take it or leave it, in my opinion. None of my decoys are flocked head, but that doesn't mean anything. Right. I like flocked head, but like if you're going to be real tough on your decoys, um, then they might not be for you, right? If you just know that you're going to be like slinging them around and not taking care of them, but if you're willing to take care of them, have some good ones for finicky ducks or something like that. Um, they're not bad to have. All right. Gage says, what's the key to shooting finicky, finicky birds? Um, yeah. <laughs> Red whole podcast. Your dot in your eyes. Um, yeah. As a whole, as a whole podcast, but you know, uh, first thing first hide, make sure your height is really, really good. Um, no wind days are going to be a struggle. You have to have motion on no wind days, small spread, mo- small spread and motion. And make sure your hide is spectacular um, and you can still finish finicky birds. The other thing is try to find a place, I know, impossible, but where the birds haven't been pressured yet. But if you find a spot like that where they haven't been shot, it's like how when you go out on opener and the birds just work better because um, they're comfortable going to that area. So you can find these little places that nobody else gets to um, and know to go there every so often during season. Um Man, I work, I work really hard to find that type of spot, and that can help you when the birds are finicky. All, All right, right, read me the next one here. Thoughts on Cohen Labs' release of how duck vision is different from humans. I skimmed over that. I didn't really look at it too much. Did you have a chance to read that yet? Um, I, I think I saw a little bit about it. I mean, I know that ducks can see in UV a little bit differently than humans can. Um, I don't know. To be honest, I'm kind of starting to think about making stuff for decoys just for fun. I don't know if people know what those are. It's where you take an actual right. hide and put it on a decoy, but um, I can't see how it would be bad, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> so you go stuff for decoys, but not flocked head. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't have to make <laughs> sense, right? <laughs> right, right, right. I'm just doing a little crap on that. Um, so uh, Kobe says, um, new pup and name. Yes, I do have a new pup. He is eight months old. He is a tear with tons of energy and drive and I love playing hide the duck with him right now. Every time I, I shoot one, we go in the tree line and I hide it and he's got to find it and he's just doing great on the retrieving. Mm-hmm. Uh, the official hardcore training will start when duck season ends in March. But like I could, I 100% believe I could take him right now. He's not gun shy. I already know that. Um, but I could take him on a hunt and he would retrieve ducks. Now would he break and all kinds of bad habits and would he listen completely like he does in the backyard. No. So I'm just not going to do it as much as I want to. Uh, he turns, I think 10 months in, there's nine months. He turns nine months and, um, like a week. So a little more. And his name is, there's a second part to that is chief. The second 
Okay. Or third, depending on how you look at it. Okay. Um, Jay Owen says, where are you from? I'm from Northern Indiana. And, and I'm from, from Central Iowa. C- Central Iowa. The waterfall Mecca. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Central, <laughs> Central Eastern Iowa. I guess got to be more specific. Um, why aren't birds in Central and South? No fun watching the North do well. <laughs> mm, and that's well, just not the case. I don't know where they were at because uh, if you consider Iowa North or like Wisconsin North, there was no birds here either. So, Right, right. It was just a poor year for everybody. Um, not very many north winds, not very much cold. The Dakotas have been pretty much warm, a lot warmer than normal all year long. So um, I'm sure when you look at social media, it's really easy to think, oh, all these people are doing well. But as a whole, for the most part, most of the people in the Mississippi Flyway um, have struggled. But a lot of people in the Central Flyway are shooting like different birds than what they normally shoot. We're not getting big pushes of mallards. Nobody's really getting on big big goose feeds, but I think it's all about to change. So I think we're going to get some cold weather here to end the year. Unfortunately, a lot of people's duck seasons are over. Um, Dylan says big big versus small spread. Hmm. Well, it depends on small spread. Yeah, it depends on what I'm going for. If I'm going for puddlers, I'm probably going to choose a smaller spread. I've been known to hunt big spreads for puddlers, but small spreads. If I'm hunting divers, every decoy I have plus 10,000 more. All right. Have you ever hunted in, in Louisiana? No, I have not. I have I've not hunted... as well. Bucket list state for me, though. Really? Oddly enough. Hmm. It might have been five. a bucket bucket list state for me 20 years ago, but I don't know about today. <laughs> it's still got a lot of history. I love places that have history, and I do think they do really well on ducks, just not mallards. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Hasting Outdoors says, if money wasn't an option, surface drive or... Long tail. <laughs> Surface drive. I wouldn't even think about it. Long tails are trash. Go. <laughs> I'd, go with the, I'd go with the pro drive. Yeah, I'd go with the surface drive of some degree. Choose your drink the Kool-Aid that you want to drink. Uh, typically, they're regional. So if you're like from the uh, Midwest, a lot of guys run Mud Buddies. If you're from the South, a lot of guys start to split it up and they run uh, Gator Tails or Pro Drives just because that's the, that's the, yeah, those are the, People tend to buy what's closer to them so they can get parts that are readily available. But choose your choose your flavor of Kool-Aid and go with it. Yeah, I think the long tail versus, again, it could be a whole podcast, but long tail versus surface drive. If you're going to hunt places where you're going for long hauls, that's where the surface drive shines. If you're going to be in like backhole timber marshes, we're going over logs and this and that. Like like I couldn't have gotten the place, like the last place I hunted and shot birds with um, a surface drive. Definitely a long tail hole because you're getting over logs and like multiple logs, like log jams and, and pileups. And I disagree you with you. You couldn't have. I, I'm, I'm telling you, you, you I, haven't been there. So, I disagree. And the other thing is, if you got to get out and push, like a long tail is way lighter than a surface drive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. See, yeah. the my my argument there is is that you just drive faster and go over the log jams if you got to go over them. And the it's thing not, that it's sucks not that with kind of log jam because it's like. Mm-hmm. You don't understand. Like, it's like a pileup kind of thing. Oh, because like, and the other thing with uh, long tails versus surface drives, surface drives tend to cut a little bit shorter through timber. So like, they don't have like a wide turn radius, like a surface or like a long tail tends to have, but uh, I'm partial. I've always run surface drives. Sure. I have small I, I think long they both tails. have their place. Yeah. So next, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, whole, we could have a whole podcast on it and we probably wouldn't agree at the end, mm-hmm. but after being around both, 
I've never owned a Surface Drive, but I do know that there's some places that are, it'd be way tougher to get through with a big Surface Drive. Not yeah. saying that I won't have a Surface Drive at some point. I probably will, but there'll be certain holes that I think I'll take the of the advantage of a mud motor and there'll be holes that I take the surface drive for the advantage of the surface drive. Mm-hmm. Chokes on his. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, Mike I'm... says, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Continue. Mike says duck gun giveaway tonight. Um, so Mike, uh, I all, I had every intention this week, the week of Christmas to get out another video or two on the YouTube channel. Um, and it just hasn't happened. So, uh, but don't worry that giveaway for the gun for the Weatherby 18 or not the weather, the, the Weatherby element um, will still happen. I just got to get the video out and I have to decide if I'm going to draw the winner from the comments I have or do one more video and then draw it. But so this is a reminder. If you haven't get over there, the last two videos comment on it. Those will be your chances to enter in the gun giveaway. I was planning to do the giveaway today or announce the winner, but it just hasn't happened yet. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Muddy Dog. Uh, he asked about fully flocked decoys. Um, so we'll we'll cover that. We've already mm-hmm. covered that pretty much. Um, and how long does flat, uh, flocking last? So we're going to cover all that in the in the decoy podcast. And then Cam says, "Why hunt Iowa? Not exactly the best state out there for ducks. Deer, on the other hand, not not not." So all right, um, so. There's a couple things to this. First off, yeah, deer. Everybody knows Iowa for deer. I've shot big deer, but uh, I only deer hunt long enough to fill my freezer, and then I go back out duck hunting. Um, the main reason to hunt Iowa is if you're going to hunt the Mississippi River or the Missouri River, uh, you can hunt the Iowa River in the middle of the state. Um, but if you're going to hunt one of the hunt the two edges, and there's a lot of public ground on a lot of those rivers, and the laws are usually pretty free on like how you can hunt them. Like as far as uh, public use on that, that the rivers. So I think that's right. the main reason people would come to Iowa is those two reasons. I mean, like comparatively, there's uh, quite a bit of public ground where I'm at, which I hate to admit it, but like, you know, I got literally hundreds of miles of river that I can just go hunt. So right. I think that that's river, the main historic, reason. super cool. Mm-hmm. Like that, there's, there's other stuff around there, but as far as like the middle of the state, um, most of that habitat's gone, unfortunately, for Iowa. So I understand what he's saying, like, not the best waterfowl state um, for those reasons. But I do think there's some cool areas um, like Iowa um, or like like the Mississippi River and the Missouri River in Iowa. Yep. Um, so there's some there's some cool places in Iowa. Is mm-hmm. it, you know, Arkansas? Is it the Central Flyway? No, but it does have some cool things. And for me, it's like half the distance of going to Kansas. So um, and originally when I thought about it, I was just map scouting and, and looking at the Mississippi river and looking at the public land. Um, and then our buddy, Tim um, messaged me like two years in a row about coming out to Teal hunt. And I'm like, man, oddly enough, like the area that you're saying, literally I'm planning to drive through. I was planning that year. I was planning to um, go to Nebraska and hunt the, um, uh, I was for Matt. I always call it a joke and say the wet water basin, but um, <laughs> the rainwater basin in Nebraska. It took me a second to remember what it was really called. Um, but but I had planned to go that year. Literally had my buddies coming with me, um, but we decided to not go there. It was a really dry year, and then we got this option to um, get to Iowa. to Iowa. So um, yeah. yeah, that's that's how I started in Iowa. Um, it's closer to me than kansas or nebraska and it's mm-hmm. 
um, half the know, drive. I wish, and half he, the I wish he had the the shooting time for till season um, to be half hour before early, you know, yeah, half hour before like regular duck season. But um, do you know yeah. that Louisiana has that, that you can shoot half hour before? Really? Right. I thought it was a, a I thought it was a, a Mississippi, Mississippi flyway thing. thing. Yeah. Almost every state in the Mississippi flyway is unless that guy who told me that was wrong. But hmm. uh, here I, I am just spouting off information <laughs> I haven't fact checked myself. Um, well, no, I mean, those are the main reasons I'd say come to, if you wanted to come to Iowa, the other reason I'd say if you wanted to come to Iowa is if you wanted to meet a lot of duck hunters at boat landings, cause that's one way to meet a lot of people is to go to a boat landing. I mean, I go to boat landings and there's 30 plus boats at a landing, you know, and like, right. this is all the hunt public ground. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of hunters. So right. good luck if that's you want to come that's here. That's how Arkansas is too, but probably even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, like we have good, decent hunting if you want to put in the effort for it. I guess that's what I'll say. It's not as good as other places, but you can have fun. When, when are we going to Arkansas public land hunt? Dude, I want to, but the other part of me is just kind of like, I think I'd rather go to Tennessee. No, I think I'd rather go to Tennessee. I mean, it's right there. I mean, it's the same kind of habitat just north of there. So, mm-hmm. And I've hunted Kentucky, uh, Mississippi River, Kentucky Basin and stuff, and I really like going there, and it's pretty much the same habitat and stuff like that uh, down there doesn't they're gonna have hate the same, uh, doesn't have the same thumbnail clickbait material that arkansas <laughs> timber does though oh we're gonna take the uh the havoc down there and race people at midnight with the havoc right we sh- we could just hunt in tennessee and and uh no i'm just kidding we won't say that. that we're doing we that we won't lie <laughs> but anyways um let me just i'm just gonna double check make sure but yeah uh, i think we got um one more okay shells for 20 gauge and choke sometimes the ducks uh, or something for ducks and geese. Last one. Last one. Last question. Um, 20 gauge. Um, I'll stick with modified. And then for ducks, um, like fours, probably fours. And for geese, twos. If you're using bismuth, you can uh, step those both up one. Do fives for ducks and threes for uh, geese. I don't shoot 20 gauges, so uh, that's all on you. Okay. Yep. So, uh, your microphone went out, by the way. But, anyways, we're going to. Is go it back ahead. now? No. It's your computer microphone. But uh, that's all right. Okay. We're going to close out anyway. Technical difficulties to end the podcast. Uh, but, anyways, thank you all for your questions. This might be the most questions we ever got through in one QA podcast. Um, we did our best to get through all of them, give you guys good answers. Um, if we didn't get them, like we said, we'll do the, the decoy podcast here in the future in the near future, the near future. Um, but yeah, that's all we got for today as thanks again for all these questions are awesome. As always guys, the mission of the podcast is Hunter. Do you remember what the mission of the podcast is? My mic's not working. Remember? Oh, okay. That you, man, you're saving yourself on that one right there. But, um, the mission of the podcast is to be entertaining, be educational, help with conservation any way we can, uh, and just help spread the message of duck hunting, um, to everybody, you know, help have a stronger voice and all the things we need. Uh, do us a big favor and share the podcast with a buddy. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, and that's our best way to, to grow and, you know, accomplish all the missions of the podcast. Um, but that's all we got for today, guys. I'm Jordan, Duck and Chronicles, and Hunter from Iowa. <laughs> and we'll see you guys on the next one.